Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. We don't have time for we don't have time for coffee because we're so no. busy. But if we actually pretend that we're gonna have like it's we're having coffee, yeah, this is it. We'll just we're having coffee in your office, and we're just gonna catch up with uh, people listening in. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, this is the the Next Level Agents podcast. Back with third, fourth time, fifth time, third time, I think third time, maybe officially third time as solo guest. Todd Bookspan. Todd, tell people what you do, just for the people that haven't heard the first two. Which thing should I say? All like the mortgage part, the planner part. I mean, the founder of Win by Noon, which is a let's call it a productivity company, where I've got a day planner called Win by Noon. It's right in front of you. You're That's actually the, using I it. I always carry because you give me good advice. I I take notes as I go. But if someone's looking to business plan and and just keep better track of their life and day, it's in, in the old school physical way. It's a great opportunity. I lead a large mortgage team that's based out of Phoenix, Arizona. I don't produce, but I we you know we're we've averaged. $100 million a year for the last decade plus, help a billion dollars worth of loans over 5,000 families. Although this year's not quite on track of the, the previous years. Really? So you and the whole world? Me okay. and the whole world. Put on the Modern Mortgage Summit with my buddy, Dave Savage, Modern Real Estate Summit. That's been the number one attended mortgage event the last maybe four years. That's a virtual summit, right? It's virtual, although we used Bradley's studio this past year and we had 60 people squeezed in live into the studio as well. So that was a fun experience. So the speakers were live and and so were the a handful of guests. What was that like? It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of energy in the room just because a lot of them hadn't been on a live stage in a long time. Yeah, a lot of virtual stuff, right? Yeah, and these were TED Talk style, so it's we move really fast. And so when you run a the virtual event's always a little stressful when you've got thousands of people online at once yeah. to make sure it all goes right. And when it's we used all pre-recorded content previously, and this time we had some superstars of both real estate and mortgage live. And to keep on track was a feat in itself, and the team crushed it. Would you? Are you going to keep doing it live slash and virtual? You going to you guys going to keep that sort of setup? That's the plan for this year. I think it'll. I think we'll be able to pull it off again. We're we're in talks with a couple of different studios right now. We'll probably go back to Brad's studio in Vegas, just a easy button. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. The people who were there, we did a mastermind the next day and they just, they said, gosh, I would have paid a lot of money to come to the mastermind. And oh, by the way, the event was pretty good too. And then real quick, I, I would, I cannot forget that I'm co-founder of First Home IQ. Yeah. That, that would be, I would be in trouble by my co-founders, Kristen Messerly and Dave Savage, our good friend. And uh, we're out there changing the world of financial literacy for Gen Z, like teaching them how to manage money, hopefully. So tell me more about that. So First Home IQ is the name of the, what is it? I almost said corporation, but that's not the right word. It's nonprofit. So we're almost a 401c3 where we're just waiting. The paperwork should be here any day. That's awesome. And we really are, we've got some great educational stuff out there that we're been working with high schools and college professors, high school okay. teachers, college professors to create content that will be engaging on financial literacy for 
Gen Z for those under 25. And then a lot of people aren't going to want to watch it in school. So we've got an ambassador program that's right now about 60 strong, mainly loan officers. We have one brave realtor who found us who's doing that. They're donating money from every closing that they have and oh, wow. help fund the nonprofit, which is great because we haven't, we've chosen not to take any corporate sponsorship yet. Eventually we will. We've got lots of industry folks who are cool and want to sponsor it, but we really just want to change the way young people view money and really get them in shape to be able to know what's going on. Go to our first home IQ. You can take, we've got a, a, a money score quiz out there. Really? What was the, what was the thing? That made you guys decide to do this. It was, I think it was it was a lot of things coming together. Okay. And Dave and I, as you know, we we do a lot together, right? We we, we do the events I mentioned and and really look at how do you make an impact beyond the mortgage industry and you know what can really make a change. And Kristen Messerly's an amazing human and she does a lot of research and speaking around the mortgage industry. And she's done a lot just on all the different generations and where they are financially. And it just really stuck out that we've done a poor job in the education system of helping people understand money and how it works. And that a lot of young folks in America are pretty down on their financial future and their ability at some point to quote unquote, live the American dream and own a home. And so this is not just that, obviously the name's First Home IQ, but it's really just how do you understand money and how can you deal with it differently. And so we've just created some courses that are basic financial courses, and they might seem basic to someone like you or I, who I think have a little bit of a better, higher level understanding of it, but you got to start somewhere and then we'll build it into these higher level courses for people who want to learn more. So I think we'll end up with a huge library at some point right now. It's just a handful of classes, but the classes that we have, we've gotten really good feedback on. Awesome. And then how does that get out to your target audience? That's a good question. Right now, the ambassadors are doing a great job. So we've, we've reached out to schools and colleges. People are finding us, which is interesting. That's cool. But the ambassadors, what we found is a lot of teachers, like my daughter's a ninth grade math teacher in Manhattan. And I said, hey, I'd love you to teach this class. And she's petrified. That's the last thing she wants to teach. And she's got to hear you talk about it all the time, but I mean, I want to teach it. So if I had an ambassador in Manhattan, then they could go into her classroom with her and then teach the class on her behalf, like then that's yeah. the conduit. So we've got people who are passionate about it in the industry who are willing to not just put their money up, but they're willing to donate their time to go in and, and teach as well. So we're making a conduit so that people have a way to go into a school where the school doesn't feel like it's a sales pitch. And there'll be a great opportunity for us to take this next generation. Our goal is in the next few years to get in front of 5 million Gen Z. That's cool. Love it. All right. I guess we could start the podcast now. Is that what, yeah, all right. Wait, what else? What, what's going on? So, I, I don't even know. I think that's it. That's so all you and I, it's December 11th. Yeah. Year's over. No, no. We got, we got a couple of weeks. We have nine more business days. People think there's more business days, but uh, yeah. you know, who's working between Christmas and New Year's? I hope that some of the folks, if you're listening to this before then or after, maybe we listen to this in January. I don't know. Now I'm going to get this one out. Hopefully this, I think maybe this could go out next week. Dang. I So dude. Within LA, lot I was I had the I had the episodes banked. I had months worth because, as you could imagine, the only thing I've focused on for the last few months has been in LA Live. Absolutely. So now that's over, I'll refill the bank, but I won't have to get nearly as far ahead as I did. But at one point, my Sarah, amazing podcast producer, she was like, "Wow, it's been five years. I don't think I've ever seen you this far ahead." I was like, "I know. I'm. This is self preservation, though." This isn't because I'm like all of a sudden a good boy that wants to be ahead of the curve on things. 
or that actually does get ahead of the curve. I just, this is self-preservation. All right. So great event, few hundred people flying to town from all over the country, met some great folks there. What was your biggest takeaway? Because I feel like the people who are there are the people who get it. And I feel like there's some people who get it and weren't there because they couldn't financially. And I think there was a lot of people who could have been there and should have been there, but they just don't get it. But what were your big takeaways from a couple of days with some cool people? Definitely the, and this isn't, this is not rocket science. I don't think this would be a surprise, but like all of the non-real estate or I'll say the non-business stuff was by far the most well-received. Not that the real estate and business stuff wasn't well-received. It was, I didn't have, I don't think we had one speaker that I actually got negative feedback on. We had some really talented people, but if you, especially from main stage or for the listeners that weren't there, which is most of you, half of the, half of the two days was keynote fashion. So on the quote unquote main stage, and then half of the two days was spent in breakout rooms, right? So there's different topics going on. You got to pick one and there's two at a time going on. And from the main stage tended to be less tactical and less real estate focused with the exception of Ben Kenny, who even with Ben was a little bit of both. Like it was a lot more macro and business focused and not necessarily just, not just about what you can do, but then the rest, like from Dr. John to, to Gubernick, to my coach, Camille, to all the other ones that we had on the main stage, like they're just, it was cool to get that sort of great feedback from people who actually, they let me trick them into thinking that we were going to talk about real estate and we didn't, we talked about life. We talked about business. We talked about health. And so that was that for me, that was awesome. I like that. Yeah. I thought that was the part that I enjoyed the most. I feel like we can plug into a podcast or we can get into a room with some great realtors on a frequent basis. But I think you did a great job of curating between both because I think you needed the speakers there to speak about what they were speaking about in today's market. That was really important that were real estate specific, but I definitely feel like you also have to shake people up a little bit. Like Burnoff, I think shook people up. Burnoff, definitely. I was just going to say the cool thing was a lot of people. So I've had a few people go, Hey, who was your, who was the standout? Like who is the one speaker that everyone, and I didn't have one. I've actually had four or five where people were like, this was my favorite. And like multiple people said, this was my favorite. So obviously a lot of people said Burnoff. Obviously, a lot of people uh, talked about Dustin Runyon, but also same with Camille. Also the same with Dr. John, which was so far not a real estate. It was so far out of the realm of real estate. And for those of you that were there, that there was a there was poop was talked about. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. And so to hear that feedback was the fact that it wasn't all like just this one person, but it was, I heard that about a lot of people. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think that was the fun part, especially yeah, after he got after he spoke and at lunch, everyone talking about their takeaways. And I think it's like anything else. I think we hit a home run when there was a handful of different speakers that people said was their top speaker versus just one person. Everyone's oh, I just love that one thing. You're like, all right, no, I actually provided um two days full of value. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That that so that was a good sign. It was good. There was a lot to take away from it, mostly that I'm really tired. And then, you know, it could have been a four day event. I had so many people that wanted to, that were like willing to speak or that could have been on stage or the sessions could have been an hour and a half instead of 45 minutes. There so much like that could have gone on and on, but I think we did an okay job in the time frame we allotted the, the mix of speakers we had. So whatever, I'm happy with it. You guys do it again next year. Not a chance. No, I don't know. <laughs> Coordinating that many people with that many speakers over multiple days is not exactly fun, 
the day of was obviously the, the day of the events. The, those two days were so much fun, but the couple months leading up to it is not fun. Not at all. On behalf of the people who are there, thank you for doing it. I know it's a lot of work because we had 60 little people shoved in a room and that was a lot of work. So I can only imagine getting that many more people and that many more speakers is a feat in itself. It was a challenge. Okay. So you sat there, you were there. What was your, was there a theme or a takeaway that stood out to you the most? You know, I, I think that the standout to me right now, and I think it's just, it's where I've been stuck and I, I try not to be an ass. That's one of my core beliefs in myself. I find that's a good thing to, to, to do. I know, but I like this epiphany that there's a lot of people that I'm talking to in real estate and mortgage and in sales in general, who are victims of what's going on. And I understand it. My team's business is down 40%. So I can't say it's different, but I also know if my team worked a little bit harder, that it might not be the same as what was last year, but it wouldn't be down as far. And I've talked to so many people who have gotten a job, a part-time job doing some something in the gig economy. I know people who've gotten full-time jobs. And I was like, gosh, if you would have just worked eight hours before of doing your real estate job, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to have this job you don't like. And so I feel bad when I think those thoughts, I look at my own team's business and say, gosh, if I would have focused on some business development to help them out, then they probably would be doing better. But I also know the hours that they work in a day and, and some of them work harder than others. And I don't know, does that make me an ass? I don't think so. I'm, I appreciate that. So I like the fact that people are there and people are learning and trying to improve. There weren't people, I got there late. Sorry, I was at Dr. Glick's and you know, ran a little late. He tells stories and that's you know, fair. Doc- videos and stuff. We have the same doctor. Yeah. So I got there late, but what I was impressed with is that you go to conferences and there's always everyone sitting out having the, there's a lot of opportunity to meet people and chat and do stuff. And there was nobody sitting out there. Even the people who were sponsors were all in the room watching and learning. Ben was up. He just got off the stage when I got there. So I was bummed I missed him. And so I think when you have the right-minded, the people there, I, there's so much energy in the room. And then I forgot what you guys called the fancy people. Like I, I had the red lanyard because I spent extra money. And so I got like the lunch and- It was a special word and I just don't know It wasn't it VIP, but it was like something cool. Premier. 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 Yeah, I was a premier person. And, and that, again, that gave me opportunity then to hang out with people and have different conversations yeah. without me having to find the, normally I would just find the one person I know and we go to lunch together. But yeah. here I sat down at- I went to two different tables and I sat because well, I, I want to pick your brain. Yeah. But I got to listen to different people talk about what was important to them and their takeaways. And I think that there's so much to learn from getting outside of your comfort zone of the same handful of people that you would hang out with at an event. So that was also really great for me. Yeah, that's cool. What's funny is when we kicked off, as right before Ben and I went on stage or even right before Fred and I walked out to welcome everybody in, I was like, look in. And while we were actually, while we were welcoming, God, there's a lot of empty chairs right now. Like I could knew there was a lot of people in the hallway and there was, I think we sold 310 tickets. We, so I just assumed I was like, yeah, 265 to 270 on the high side will be here in the room. And that that's a win. And sure enough, that's what it looked like. But what I noticed five minutes, like it was visible five or six minutes in after Ben came on stage with me and we just started talking, I noticed how you talked about, there wasn't even the vendors weren't like every chair. It wasn't probably a hundred percent of the chairs, but it felt like every chair filled in and everywhere I looked where earlier there would seem like there was a couple chair gap or whatever, like they were all gone. So the cool thing was, it didn't matter if the number was 295 or 255 or 301 to me, it didn't matter. The people that were there, 
they were like engaged. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And so I was excited about that. And it was like visible while I was on stage. I was like, holy crap. I can't believe how much this all filled in. I just assumed people weren't here yet and they just filled in. So that was cool. They were engaged. Yeah. And who doesn't want to hear Ben talk? I'm sure there's a few people, but I always like talking to him. Well, like I said, I had serious FOMO because I was like, all right, come on, let's go. We gotta, yeah, I got to get out of here. Doctor, I, I always tell Dr. Glick, I'm like, listen, man, I got a hard stop at this time because otherwise him and I will talk for two two or three hours. He literally showed me a Saturday Night Live skit. I'm yeah. Like, really? I got to watch this? If you guys knew our doctor, <laughs> if you only knew, he's amazing. And uh, he's the exact opposite of like your normal primary care physician where you probably get like seven minutes with them. Like, we're like, Hey dude, we got to wrap this up. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a great doctor. Though. That was it. I was texting with him today. I think it's different. And so that's, I think that's the fun part of what we get together. And I always, I tell people about, um, you know, how grateful I am for your friendship and that we talk about things that I don't talk to other people about. We talk a lot about health. We talk about money and we just talk about things. We don't talk about people. We don't talk about the market. Those are, those are things that we don't talk about. That's why anytime I get to come in here and hang out like this, it's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I told it's Dave on my way over, I was going, I'm like, dude, I got to go. I'm going to hang out with Kevin. He's nice. Like, he was jealous. So what else? So what's new, man? What's going Okay. I started to say, and you're right. You corrected me correctly. Like the year's not over. It's the 11th. But as you pointed out, there's nine more business days. The year's not over. And it is... 90 plus percent over, uh, any big lessons or big surprise? You shared one of them earlier about maybe cool. I could have done this or that, but what else stands out to you about this year? I'm a big believer in, in looking back. Okay. I and mean, I always try to look and see what can I learn in as goofy as it sounds. Cause people like you carry that dumb planner with you everywhere. I'm like, I know I do. Cause I make notes in there and I look back to see what, where did I nail it? Where did I do okay and, and where can I improve? And there's always lots of room for improvement. And I think I've been saying it for since really the beginning of November. Like I said, beginning of November, I said, this is the start of, of 2024. Really anything you do now, activity-wise, you're laying the groundwork for 2024. And it's hard, I think, to work hard right now. I think it's, I think the, my big observation of the second half of the year, and really more as we hit Q4 was the humility of the industry. I was talking to so many people who were pretending they were still having a great 2023. And they were like, yeah, everything's good. And I'm like, was it really? Is, is it really good? Help me understand what your good looks like. And then, but I found that everyone is, as I, as I traveled around and went to events and taught events, the the second half of the year, I felt like people were like, what? I got to dig in now. I've, it, it's here. It's hit me too. And I think that there was a lot of humility in the industry and I, I appreciate that a lot. And I feel like as boring as it sounds, it's really, what are, what are the activities? So I look back at what I did this year and, and I was really fortunate. I had a great year, right? I spent the summer in California. I did a two week trip to Europe and I, I traveled a lot for fun and for business in the fall, almost too much. Like I'm, I, my wife doesn't like to travel like once a month is a lot for her. We went, we, she and I did something twice in a month and she's like, she was exhausted, but I was like, okay, I did four or five weekends in a row or weeks in a row where I was on the road. That was a lot. I, I did exhaust myself. So that was a, a lesson, but really was looking then for, there's a lot of opportunity, right? I didn't say the other things like that I do that are important to me, that I'm part of organizations and part of other businesses. And I realize there's just a lot there. When you look at my planner here, if I flip it over to this side, it says BWC, be world-class, right? So my coach, Jonathan Roach is all about being a world-class master leader, his big thing. And I'm like, all right, look, what am I doing today to make sure that I'm world-class in the activities that I take? And then I've, I put on here opportunity costs. I've been putting 
for the last couple of weeks on here because the opportunity cost for me is in my time as I is it's so easy to say yes to average things right now. And for me, I've actually got a lot of really great things that I have to say no to. And that's been the frustrating part, but it's freaking pretty good if you have only, if you have lots of good things, really good things to say no to. And so I think as people are looking, as you wind down the end of the year, for me, it's what number one is, do you really have a plan for next year? Right. And you got to look at what you did this year in order to have a plan for next year. I just taught a business planning and a life planning class last week, which was just a lot of fun. And I always have more people that show up for my business planning class, but my life planning class is the one where I impact lives at a totally different level. Hold, hold on a second there. Like life planning class. What, tell me more about that. So one of my mentors and good friends, Daniel Harkavy, he's the CEO and founder of Building Champions. He wrote a book with Michael Hyatt called Living Forward. Yep. Michael was one of Daniel's coaching clients and the two of them collaborated on the book. And so I life planned for almost 20 years before that book came out. I've okay. been a client of theirs for a long time. And their belief is they coach on the core four. They say that people come in because they either need help with their business vision, like big thinking on their business. And then once you have a business vision, then you can come up with a plan for the year. And once you have a plan, then you can create your priorities to work on that. But they say, gosh, I can't help you with any of your business stuff till I know who you are as a human. So a guy named Bill Hart was my coach and Bill, he says it wasn't this way, but he, he threatened to fire me as a client because I hadn't done my life plan because I wanted business coaching from, I hired them to be my business coach. And he said, Hey, I've got this other client. He won't complete his life plan. I think I'm going to have to let him go. And I'm like, Oh, you're just looking in the mirror and talking about me, but that's okay. But what I found was, is that when I actually took the time to plan the things and the people that were most important to me, it made a big difference in the relationships that I have. And in it, it's the reason why I had all the fun that I had this year. So you teach a class on this? I teach a class on this. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. So I teach based off of their book. I've How did I not know this? Because I don't do a very good job of promoting stuff on social when are you, media. When right? are you teaching this class? Hey, here's the reason so I'm going to teach it again in January now. I don't know. I'll get it on there so we can post it up. I could. Okay. I don't have my January calendar here because I literally grab this on my way out the door. Make January. it after the 8th. Yeah. I think I come back on the 8th. All right. The 6th. But nonetheless. So the reason I ask is Gubernick talks about this all the time. He talked about it again last week. Well, you know why? Because he he's a fan of the book. Yes, he, was, he yes. loves the book. And so he brought this up again last week. And I, I could show you the notes. They're sitting on my desk right now. It's like the one of the few things I wrote down in marker with a on a piece of paper, not in not in I'm my gonna teach it on Thursday, the eleventh of January. That should probably work. So that way you have time to get back and I'll put it on. Just go to winbynoon.com forward slash calendar and you can find the sign up there winbynoon.com forward slash calendar. Okay. And so I wrote that down, but apparently like Brian's making me write, I got to write my eulogy first. That's what you do. Have yeah. You, that's the hardest that? part. Yeah. You know what? It was not my best. I didn't do that for more than a decade and it's still the weakest part of it. But ultimately the crux of it is what's most important to you. It's really what you're doing is, yeah, you're looking at how you want to be remembered. That's important part of it. It goes right along with die with zero. Yeah, it really does. And I hear a lot of podcasters now talking about that. And I, I don't know the names of these other books, but I've read a lot of them. And, but this is really how you take action on those things. So oftentimes we think about things like, Hey, I'm going to buy a really cool Bronco or, Hey, I'm going to take my kids and we're going to do our trip to Disneyland. But this is really putting pen to paper, what that looks like. So for me, my categories are health, right? So it's, again, it's pretty boring. It's the kind of stuff we talked about. Yeah. I wrote down the categories the other day. Clicks every three to four months, go to, go to the dentist twice a year, but it's, it's the other pieces, but it's where it's impactful is, especially now I've got adult kids, right? So it's impactful when I've got an account and you know, I got to count for my wife and what I want our relationship to look like. And then you have to say, okay, if that's what I want it to look like, it's, is it there now? 
So that's the reflection part. Okay, well, if it's that gap, right? So if I want it to be here and I'm here, and then I've got this gap in between, what do I have to do to bridge that gap? So what are the, my wife loves to hike. So now I'm making it a priority twice a week minimum to go hiking with my wife. She'll go hike by herself, but she likes to hike with me. If you can believe it, she likes to spend time with me. Date night, we all talk about it, but do we actually really write it out and commit ourselves to it? Relationships, right? I've got a list of friends that are important to me, including you, that I put in there so that I'm proactive and making sure that I follow up with people. Because if not, it's just an afterthought. Yeah. I'm glad you're teaching that class because I felt like I've now had Brian describe this to me twice. And I'm like, I feel like I'm still not exactly sure how to write this out. Or how to, So I'm going to come to your class. That'll be great. It'll be on Zoom. So everyone, you can come hang out with me. We can, I'll teach you live, but everyone listening can jump on now that I'm committed to teaching. Yeah, Thanks, you're, yeah you're, you're probably committed at this point. Okay. So good. I'm going to do that. I'll be there because that's, it's on my, literally on my desk, 10 feet away from us. I love it. I'm excited for that. All right. So life plan, you taught that class last week. I taught it last week. I talked business planning and it, it's what I loved about it was, is I asked people on both classes. I don't ever ask people, do you think you should have one? My, my coach taught me long ago that if you ask a class full of people, and this is on Zoom, so it's a little different on the old days when I taught it live, how many have a business plan? Everyone's half hand up. They don't want to admit they don't, but really it's how many think having a business plan would make is important. When 90% of people think their business would be better if they have one, yet less than 10% of people do. And, and so I just, for me, I love teaching those things this time of year because it's the time of year where people think they should actually take the time out of their day to show up. Yeah. They get more, we all get more reflective this time of year, regardless, because we have this imaginary finish line called December 31st. Yes, we do. It's so weird that we act this way, isn't it? It is, but that's how we measure things, right? We get because we, we get a 1099 or a W two. I was going to say, yeah, because we pay because we pay taxes. I think, I that's, think why. that's why we get to write New Year's resolutions. I'm going to be better at this year. And, but yeah, and I want to be clear. I'm not the anti res. In fact, I'm the guy that shits on people for shitting on New Year's resolutions because I'm like, if that gets someone to say acknowledge that they want something more in their life, even if they're only going to do it for two or three weeks, there's value in that. Is my point. I know it's annoying if you're the type of person that goes to the gym all year round and for four weeks, you can't get on the fucking elliptical between four and five. P I get it. It's annoying. Get over yourself though. Like at least people, I look at it as at least people are acknowledging that they want more out of their life. And I think that part is cool. The part that I just think is weird is, but why are we so inclined to just do it on this like imaginary finish line of December 31st and January 1st? It's so weird. It is. And that's why, again, it's going to sound weird. I'm not doing a plug for win by noon, but one of the things that, that win by noon did for me was it's got a spot in there to track a new habit. And I'm like, shoot, that means I probably need a new habit. So it forces me every quarter to look at, is there a habit that I started that I haven't, that I failed and I want to restart? Is there a new habit I want to start? Like right now I'm restarting meditation. I've started meditating. I was great at meditating for a long time and just got out of the groove of it. And now that's my, that's my habit. The thing I like about win by noon it's you effectively have a, you have a new year's Eve every three months. Right. That's it. Because you have a new book. Right. You're writing in there what's important. So I think maybe I'm weird because I love to write things out. And I think there's a good balance between digital and mm -hmm. analog. Yep. But I, again, go back to the fact that if there's nine days left in the year, I'm like, what are you going to do differently now? Actually, I, it's a good time to talk to people right there. Yeah. There, there's always, everyone's got clients in the real estate world that are nervous. And if you're the expert. Be better if they didn't go to that 
website that reminded with pillow and started with a Z to get value of their home, they should be hearing from their favorite realtor or their favorite mortgage person with information like that. But people yeah. are scared, I think, because we lack confidence. So what I like about the humility, going back to my humility comment, is that I think now people, they no longer feel like they're an imposter. They're admitting where they're at. Okay. And then now maybe they can get over that and take action. Because I, when I talk to people about why aren't you making the calls, everyone knows they should be calling their database right now. Yeah. If you're a loan officer, you got people, you're going to refinance next year. You should be protecting that future pipeline. If you're a real estate agent, when rates drop, people are going to, who have a 3% mortgage and swore they would never move, they're going to upsize or downsize. They're ready to move. And they're, you need them to remember who you are. And the easiest way is for them to get a voicemail and a text message from you. And even better is to have a conversation if that person wants to, but even if they don't, hearing from you is a great opportunity. And there's lots of different things you can talk to somebody about or tell someone when you get them on the, on that call, but people are scared of that. I think if, or when people remember that those conversations are fun, I remember my business partner, Matt, I shouldn't call him out, but that's okay. I will. Like he started committed to make the calls and he's, oh my gosh, observation number one, people actually like hearing from me. Yeah. That was it. And observation number two, holy smokes, they're long phone calls because people are excited to catch up 20 to 30 minute phone calls with someone that you just talked to for a little bit of time on a, on a transaction. Seems like a lot of time during that time, but it's just a small part of their life and they're counting on you. And, and that was, I hear that over and over again from the people who actually got over it the call reluctance and picked up the phone and made the phone calls. And so I think it's a great time as you're closing out the year to think about what's the commitment around that for next year. Yeah, that's, that's true. And you made a commitment this year, right? Around talking to so many realtors a day. I, do. I talked to 10 a day. So look, here's proof. Look at this. So here's my planner. Here's the people I dialed today right here. So I called 11 realtors. I've talked to 10. No kidding. And so I circled it this morning so that I circle as my commitment. And then I also have a commitment over here. And so you can look here, I've got a commitment to call five people in my database and I've only called one, but I actually look at it physically to hold myself accountable to what it is I said I was going to do. And so that's it. I just look at it and go, okay, you know what it took me? And that's normal. It normally takes me about 12 to 14 dials to get a hold of 10 people. But these are 10 people that I talked to today. And then there's 11th I talked to on the way over. I just didn't do that because I was driving in my car. And so it, I believe you got to set a standard for yourself and, and commit to that standard. And I'm not perfect. I don't get there every day. So the difference though, is that since it's Monday that we're recording this, if I would have called eight today, tomorrow, the circle wouldn't have been for 10, it would have been for 12. 12. And then even on, let's pretend I, I talked to 12 today, I'm still going to call 10 tomorrow. And then if I only call eight tomorrow and I call 12 today, I'm still going to call 10 on Wednesday. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, say, I don't have to continue to call more. So I'm always going to push myself every day okay. to call more activity leads to results. I'll say that yeah. over and over again. And it's not my quote or anyone else's, but it's in a world, it's great to have a coach to hold you accountable. But for me, this is my self accountability. And then I also have a platform. I talk to people about these things and I also want to perform to show them that when you do it, it actually works. And then I also, I just, again, I'm, I need to hold myself accountable. This is it. And it's fun for me. Yeah. I, it's a game. It's a game for me to do it. It is. Is that new this year? The 10, 10 agents a day? This year. Yeah. That's been new. How's that gone? It's going good. I haven't, I, I do it. I say it's when I'm in town and I'm working, right? I went and watched the Philadelphia Eagles lose to the San Francisco 49ers a couple weeks ago before they lost again to the Dallas Cowboys. But I went and I, so I, I flew on Friday and I flew on Monday. And so I didn't hold myself to those days. I didn't do 50 that week. I did 40. For me, it works the days I, that I'm intended to be locked in and working. If I was all around production, if I was a full-time loan officer doing it, 
and I took off Monday, guess what? I would actually be still do 50 calls in that week. So the when I produced, I held myself to a high standard and me holding myself to a high standard is I think why I had the success that I had. And then I also know in the name of the planners that I blocked my calendar from 8.30 to 11.30 every day. And by blocking my calendar, I got those things done most days before noon. And hence the name, not every day. Again, I'm not perfect. I'm not here to say, gosh, I'm way better than everyone else. Cause I do it. I just make an effort to do it. And because I do it most days. Yeah. Hence the name win by noon. Well, win by 1130 wasn't very sexy. Yeah. It sounds weird. Yeah. Just doesn't roll. Plus the, U, plus the URL was probably not available. Uh, I haven't checked. There's a lot of jokes around that. I win by eight, Todd. All right, great. Good for you. Like, it doesn't matter. You don't even have to win by noon. I have PM or AM. I had a realtor tell me, she's like, Todd, I can't win by noon. I start at noon and I win by five. I'm like, that's awesome. That but, works. But I think it's a, I think in the end, there's something that drives your business, right? Everyone's focused on results. So let's talk about the, yeah. the 1231 again, right? So everyone's going to look at their year and say, I helped 24 families or I did this, but the question is, what do you need? If you want to help more families next year, what do you need to do differently? And so when I was doing loans, I could literally quantify how many conversations or meetings I had to have in order for me to get a closed transaction. And that just tells you how hard you're going to work. It also shows you whether the market's slowing, slowing up or slowing down. And so there's lots of things that you can glean from not just result tracking, which is what we all do, is actually the recording of activities is what's, to me, more important. Yeah, I would venture to guess for most of us, if you just use the example of, hey, I sold 24 houses this year, but let's say I want to sell 32, probably don't have to do anything different. You probably just have to do what you said you were going to do this year. That's a hard conversation to have with people though, right? Can be. Yeah. As a coach, when I'm someone's paying me to coach them, I, it's easy to have that conversation because- Because they that, signed up for it. That's, they signed up for it. Not everyone else wants to have that conversation. Yeah. And so that's why I say it goes back to my thing. I don't want to be an ass. So is that being an ass? I guess maybe the delivery of it could be. That's true. That's true. Or is it caring? I th I think it's caring. I, I actually, I think we're in the world's greatest business and it breaks my heart when someone says, you know what? I'm driving Instacart today. Yeah. That That's, it, it breaks my heart. Not because they have to. One is I'm proud of them when they do because they're doing what they have to do in order to survive. Yeah. For sure. And wouldn't it just be easier to make the calls? I think so. I think so. But there's some people who have made the calls and haven't had the results too. And so I'm very sympathetic towards those people. I feel we all have gifts, right? And one of the things I was really good at was talking to clients over the phone and to help them understand their situation to help get them to the right mortgage. And so when you're good at connecting with people, it, it, you have good results. So I, I know not everyone who's in the business is good at that either. I'm going to share this share something with you. Hopefully the listeners don't hate me as much as my mastermind group hated me for this. So we had, we had Rudy, like the Rudy. Uh, oh yeah. From like the movie. I saw that on social media. Yeah. So I didn't get invited to that mastermind. Ah. Did you hear me say that? I shouldn't have said that out loud. Now I threw you off. Okay. So Rudy came. Rudy's an interesting guy. And I want to first acknowledge for those of you who are about to send me hate mail that I acknowledge he has motivated and inspired millions upon millions of people. I'm not taking that away from him. That guy, though, was a terrible presenter. Terrible. Atrocious. Wow. Like train wreck right, well, no, of I'm a not, presenter. I'm glad I didn't come. And don't get me wrong. There were still a lot of people in the room who were like, oh, my God, that's Rudy. And, oh, cool. Good for you. 
he was successful. He he is success. He's a very successful person. He's made this work for him. And I would say he's done that at, without being self-aware, without being very self-aware and without being very skillful in a lot of things. He appears to have made it through grunt, like brute, like force and an unwillingness to give up. And there's a lot of admiration in that. To my argument is that maybe he should have been doing something different, but that's for a different day. But my, my, my point is, is even if we're not good on the phone and even if we're not very skilled with our scripts and dialogues, by the way, those are all, those are things that we can get good at with deliberate practice. If we just made more phone calls or did more open houses, we could probably still get a better or even a really good result. And so I just look at that guy like he, there was no reason that guy should have succeeded in anything. And, and I'm just going off the story he told, like he, like how long it took him to get the movie made, forget about like getting on the field for that one play or whatever, or how bad he was in that room that day. Like everything in his life appeared to be really hard. And he accomplished a lot through this brute force of man, I'm never going to give up. I'm just not going to give up on my dream or this thing that I think is calling me or whatever. And I just go to me, that's like inspirational, dude, if this guy can do it, <laughs> anyone could do it. Yeah. And it comes back to that idea of how hard are you working? I, again, I try not to be a jerk, but I think that sometimes people need the truth. And I don't know where I found it. Cause I just Googled fire under ass or something like that. Yeah. But I had a picture in the, in a, I did a free coaching for loan officers in the fourth quarter. And it was this kid in a lawn chair and it had a had fire underneath it. It looked like he was riding it like a rocket, but I was like, hey, just how high is the how high is the flame under your ass? Because if it's pretty high, then you probably need to work a little harder. Yeah. I've been there. I been there you know, too. The financial crisis, I wasn't flat broke. I was like negative a lot. And I worked really hard to you get out to of that. You had to pay situation. a lot of money to become flat broke. Yes, I did. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. But I had to, I worked myself out of it. I could I had two choices, right? Choice yeah. number one would have been to go get a, a real job job and work nine to five and be for me personally, that wouldn't have been fulfilling or I could figure out how to work my way out of it, figure out how to create the business that I created. And, and I know it's hard and I don't take for granted that I have some skills that I had, but a lot of it was just pure hard work. And, and I think that's the question is, are we, are we avoiding things that we know we should do? And then you said you could get better, right? I actually, I, my other thing I've been doing is a lot with Phil Jones, right? I met through you. Thank you. Exactly what to say. Exactly what to say. And it's what I realized when I taught the first certifications I taught with my buddy, Deborah Bird last year was that I had a room full of really great people. And that actually is the biggest reason why they needed the help. Because when we're that good, we take for granted that we could be better communicators and we could get our point across in a way that's better for the person on the other side. We're oftentimes, we're so good at telling people what we know. And, and what I've learned through Phil is to ask questions to help people come up with their, the decision I was trying to get them to, but I've actually asked them questions so that they decided it on themselves and they think I'm super smart as a result. Yeah. Perfect example of that is, is what the market, everyone believes that interest rates are going to go down. And that when interest rates go down, that there's going to be all these buyers and that prices, there's going to be bidding wars and prices are going to go up. Every time I see this meme about that, it's picture Jerome Powell and like how the interest rates are going to go down. And then we're going to have both. I'm like, I'm more convinced that it's not going to go well. 
more than ever. That's all right. I, I believe that's a plausible scenario. But so I, said, I. I tell people that, and I say it all the time, nothing against the real estate mortgage industries, but is there ever been one day where a realtor said, today's this is a bad time to buy? Ever? No, never. So the problem is that the audience is deaf to all of us now because yeah. we've been saying rates are going to get good. Rates are going to get good. May 10th, all these things that people have been talking about. So I think it just you just have to frame out a different series of questions. What do you understand about how interest rates impact the real estate market? Most people don't, right? What do you think is going to happen if you wait until interest rates go down and everyone else waits and wants to buy at the same time? What do you mean? How do you think that'll impact supply and demand? I don't know. What do you think will happen to prices if more people are trying to buy one house and there's not as many houses on the market? You're just walking people to make their own decision that, oh my gosh, if rates go down, actually it could create bidding wars and prices can go up and then you can create people to take action. But it's just a series of questions to get them back around to what you wanted to tell them in the first place. And then you don't sound quite like you're telling them what to do. You're yeah. actually helping them understand. And they still may get to the end of the questions and say, yeah, I don't agree with you. I'm going to wait. And that's great. But then they made a question they made the decision based on their own logic, not yours. My question goes back to both. I'm talk. I would guess I would say this to both the consumer and our realtor friends that I just made fun of for the meme, which is, do you really think that, or do you just think you think that because other people, somebody else told you that? Oh, that's a good question. I, we don't ever talk about these kinds of things. I already told them we don't talk about the market. So. I believe that people, this is market or not, like we're using an example of what's going on in the market. By the way, I think that's what's going to happen. I just think it's happening over a much more stretched out, longer period of time than I think the rose colored glasses a lot of my friends have. That's all. But my point is, do I actually, this question I got good at asking myself and I often want to ask other people is, do I actually believe this or am I just saying I believe this? Cause that's what I think I believe. Cause I heard my friend Todd say it and Todd's smart. And so if Todd said this, I don't know what led Todd to the decision or to his sort of analysis of what's going on with things, but he said it and he's smart. So I'm just going to say it too. Now I now think that's my opinion, but I might just be regurgitating Todd's opinion. And I, I don't think, know. I think you're right. And I think you add on top of that, that we want it to be true. And we, yes. we need it to be true. A lot of people right now need it to be true. That was the thing that frustrated me this year the most is the first person who said to me, who I know made a lot of money last year, like I got 90 days left to cash. I'm like, ooh. And I felt bad first, but then I was angry for him because I know that he, if he would have acted in the way he te tells people he acts and that he tells other people they should act, then he wouldn't have been in that situation. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. That's when I feel like an ass when I say things like that. But. Yeah, but it. But again, I don't know that it's being an ass. Is I guess you could be the the delivery about it. The delivery of that could be is. I was better at delivering it. I'm sure you were. You, I you, gave him a hug. That was that. What else could you do? I feel for people. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I've been there. Like I said, I do too. And I'm not perfect. I like again though. I just come back to. Do I really think this, or am I just operating this way because I think this? Well, I, everyone told me that it was going to be better in the financial crisis. And I made decisions looking through rose colored glasses that in hindsight, if I would have stepped back and questioned what I was thinking. So I think what you say is, this is why I think what you're saying is really smart. 
is if I would have actually questioned it, like I had a friend who, who sent me an email, hey, you should read this article. I'm like, first off, who are you? You don't know this industry. I'm listening to the industry experts and they're telling me here's when it's going to be better. And if I would have probably read the article, because I read the title of the article, then I would I would be, I would have not had the financial challenges I had. It still would have been good, but I would have positioned myself in a different way where I would have probably been not had the same suffering, which I actually believe the suffering is a lot of who I am. So I don't know if that would have been a good thing, but also probably would have been wealthy because that the Tyler article told me that I could have probably predicted some things that happened financially that I would have made different and better decisions as a result. If you believed him. If I would have. If you if would, would have believed have, that article and acted upon it. If I would have taken the time to even read it and then be curious, right? I wasn't curious at the time because I was listening to the people that I thought were the experts and they were telling me what I wanted to hear and I needed to hear, but actually what I wanted to hear, not what I needed to hear. Uh, this, so this the came, other guy told me what I needed to hear. So this came up the other day in our mastermind too, is the, with the lawsuits with NAR and yeah. everything like that. And that, this is not to go into that, but um, so many people were so vehemently opposed to Inman inviting the attorney to their event. Yeah, that was interesting. And all I could think was like, why would you not want to hear what this guy has? I absolutely want to hear what this guy has to say. I want to understand what their thought. Do I think he's wrong? hundred percent. Do I understand that he's coming after my industry and the way we currently operate? Yes. Which makes me more curious as to what the hell he is thinking. What is the thought process there? And instead there's a, and I'm not going to name anybody here, but because they're friends, plenty of them are friends of mine and of yours too, that were like, I'm going to cancel my subscription to Inman. I'm like, you're going to cancel your subscription. Okay. Maybe you should cancel your subscription to Inman because you don't like it as overall. Maybe they don't provide value to you. I, I get that. There's it's, they've had questionable material, but for a long time, but on this particular subject, I absolutely want to understand the other side. I like if really good time. Because Charlie Munker just passed away. Yeah. That was one of his things is if you can't understand the opposites, the other side's argument as well or better than they do, then maybe you don't like, maybe you're actually not as into this game as you think you are. Like you're too emotionally attached. If you can't understand the opposite side's argument. The crazy part about it is the people on the other side of the argument are just as adamant that they're right as you are about your side. And yeah. My wife is way smarter than me. We have this conversation often on these hikes that we take and she will, she'll take the time to understand the other side, which makes her a way better person than me. But I, I think you're right. I think that's goes back to it. That's why I think by choosing to be more curious, by being intentional around what I will consume, right? Because oftentimes if you're only consuming it from one side or one thing, besides the fact that you're not multidimensional, then you just become warped in your own belief. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think taking the time to understand the opposite opinion, whether we're talking about something like this one topic, the lawsuit lawsuits, or maybe we're talking about something political or religious, or there's a great song. There's a, there's this musician, his name is Paul Thorne. Have you ever heard of Paul Thorne? I've not. He's amazing. This is one of the things I'll care. I'll, I'll credit Gary Keller for. It's introducing me to Paul Thorne's music. He's like a storyteller. All of his songs are like stories. He's amazing at it. He's got this one song you might, 
you may be wrong. And it's about religion. And it, to, the punchline here is, hey, if I have, if I'm of a certain faith and you're of a certain faith and you're of a certain, like, we can't all be right. <laughs> you could be wrong. And I think that's just, he does such a wonderful job in those three minutes or whatever it is in that song of, you might be wrong. Like, you have to have that as a reality that you might be wrong. And, and if you do take that on as reality, then maybe you can start to understand that there's another side to this, right? There's, there could be another side. You could absolutely still be in the right, but maybe you're not like, and I think it's, I think it would be wise if we at least tried to understand somebody else's side or the opposite side of whatever our opinion is. It's so hard. It's so hard. I'll have to get the quote for you now. Cause I don't, I wrote down a note to call my old coach and ask him the quote, but it was some quote by Mark Twain or one of these people, it wasn't Mark Twain, but some person like that, that you would know their name, but it was like that it, how you need to be able to have the opinions of those two different opposite opinions at one time to make good decisions. I don't yeah. know, it's a cool quote, but I've thought of it a couple of times recently when my wife was explaining to me the other side of something that I believed differently on. And she believed differently too, but she said that she took the time to try to figure out what the other story was. I think it's imperative, especially with how much... I'll say division there is with like social media between like politics and religion and things like that. There's just, everything is like one side or the other, which I don't think is necessarily right either. However, I think it makes it like, let's just say you and I strongly disagreed about a certain political topic, whatever. We don't have to make one up. Let's just say we did. Maybe we do. Who knows? I I think it would be really beneficial for us both as humans. If I was like, hold on, why does Todd think that? Okay, cool. Then try to figure out like, not only why does he think that, but is there validity in that argument or what is the validity? Because what I think what we might find mostly, since we are both human beings, is that even though our opinions are wildly different, they probably are centered from like the same core belief or the same desire. Yeah. Values could be really aligned. The values could be aligned, but the way it's the way we see it is something different. Like I'm not stating my stance here, please. I want everyone (laughs) to know that. But like anytime there's something with, with anytime there's a shooting coming on, I actually believe all people want mass shootings to be over with. Agreed. And I think the way, I think the, what gets, especially with the media throwing fire on things, what comes out is two very different sides of it, but the problem and the solution is this, or the solution is that the, but the reality is I truly believe both sides just want it to go away. They just have a different viewpoint about the way it should happen. So why do you think it doesn't happen? Do you think it's just because they can't slow down enough to come? They're so stuck in what they believe that they can't figure out what the middle ground would look like. I think that we're set up as a society to, to fight, to have to pick a side. And that's not coming from like a place of victimhood or whatever. But I really believe all from our political leaders, I'm going to use the word quotes for that and our like the media, both social and traditional, like literally is designed to make you pick a side that has an extreme opposite. And then that sort of feeds into that more and more. But I think the reality is if you can get two people to just have a conversation and let's just start, if you just start with what it is that you're actually looking, forget about what you disagree on, start with what you agree on You'll find that like 90% of it, I think is probably agreed on by all human beings. And it's just a little bit, but when you've got institutions like 
media, social media included, just dousing flames. I think it makes it harder for those two, for two, any two people to actually come together and figure out what it is that they do agree on. Social media's hurt it because you're getting, you keep getting fed more of it. Once you have that belief. Yeah, you're just fed what you're you're, looking for. It's putting out the opposite information side of it. But the other part of it that's come to me besides trying to be more curious is also not making assumptions because- that's hard. It is hard. It is hard. But what I've sat in a lot of rooms recently, let's call them masterminds, where- People have at some point said they've made the assumption of my belief on something without asking me first. And it could be a business thing. It could be, it could be whatever. It could be politics, could be something, but they assume I think a certain way. And the odd part is most of the people who assume it are assuming opposite or they're assuming wrong. And I just smile and nod. It's like, this isn't the place for that conversation or that disagreement. Maybe later on, if we're sitting down over a cup of coffee or a good beer, then that might be a different conversation. But I'm always surprised by that. Yeah. It's of interesting. High, of high level thinkers too. Yeah. It's interesting. It's totally interesting. So you know what else I think is really polarizing is that new cyber truck. So like, I think it's pretty dang cool. I saw a Matt Black one. Where are you at on that? He's still on the list. Yeah, dude, I wish so bad. It was like, I wish so I want it so bad. I cannot wait to get it. Yeah. So I what, love that Matt Black too. Still it looks on there, cool. did you, have to, you had to up your deposit, like from a hundred bucks to two fifty to stay on the list. Is that how it worked or? They haven't asked me for more money okay. yet. I'll gladly give it to them when they do. I wish I was in California or Texas. Cause apparently I'd probably have one. Cause I know people that have a, like, I know P I now know people who that I saw a post on social are, media are getting theirs and. Uh, and he's not exactly a friend. He's an acquaintance, but, but the reality <laughs> is, is just, he's just an acquaintance. He's just an acquaintance for sure. Well, not Elon. I wish Elon was an acquaintance, but the reality is, man, I can't wait. I don't care. Black, silver, whatever. I'll take it. I just, I, I thought it only came in silver, but I keep seeing a black one. So yeah, no, it's, two colors. it is an option. You can do this sort of black. It's like a wrap type of deal. I don't know exactly what they're calling it. I forget, but nonetheless, I can't wait. And as soon as they give, they'll let me buy one. I will buy one. My hunch is it's probably still got to gonna be a while. I bet I'm probably still waiting another year. So do you think it's, uh, do you think it was a mistake then to make it so radical that it took them this long to get it out? Rivian got their truck out first and that Rivian has a normal looking truck? I think their mistake was that I, maybe it is the radicalness of it that is making the production part of it extremely challenging for them. Yes. But it's hard to say it was a mistake though, because- they're still producing cars at amount. I mean, if you still look at what electric cars only, they're still producing more electric cars than all of the other car companies combined. And I think that I've never seen any other pickup truck from any of the from Ford who does one or from Rivian on social media, but I see the freaking Cybertruck all the time. Yeah. Right. For years, ever since they've come out with that thing. That's pretty good marketing right there. Yeah, I think Elon knows all what right. he's doing with that. I, mean, I didn't want to make the assumption. That's all. I was just trying to be curious. Yeah. We were going down a path. I needed to get it light lightened up a little bit in here. I can't wait to get my Cybertruck. And I know that I'm probably waiting six to twelve more months. That is my hunch, unfortunately. Seems what so what's Cal I know they're building in Texas. So why uh-huh. is it something different? I, I don't understand the California thing. The California's like Still got to deliver it. There's some emissions thing, or that they're the same for both. I don't even know. I, I don't I'm think not Texas sure. has emissions. I know California. I'll give them a Texas or California address. They don't have address. An electric car. Never mind. No one, no hate mail for my lack of knowledge there. Maybe I should tell them that my address is I like moved. Yeah. Maybe that my I'm cousin moving. lives in in uh, Austin. I'll let use his address. Thank you. That'd be great. Give and then I'll up. just fly in and pick it up. Yeah. I'd be happy to drive that home. I love that for you. I can't wait. So, yeah. 
any rate, we should probably wrap up. I think I just ruined your podcast, huh? No. Are you right, kidding okay, me? I'm just making sure. All right. I thought. I right. can't wait to get texts and comments on the the Tesla truck. It's, I, I'm a fan. I like, Ryan, see the DeLorean? My yeah. Back to the future days. Yeah, so. very much. So that's all good. I, and I think the fact that it's taken them the time to make it be what they wanted it to be. Right? Yeah. They didn't round it all out and, and do things. I had to do a couple things to make it like pass safety and stuff. But. Yeah. They, and they could have done that to, to make it more like socially acceptable to look more like your modern trucks. And instead they went, nah, we're not doing that. And I like that. And obviously that appeals to a person like me. That'll be maybe their next car will be an SUV. Maybe not. Yeah, that'd be cool. I have their quote unquote SUV now, which is really just oh, a big, I forgot. Sorry. It's just a big Station car. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is. It's ugly as hell, but I love it. Oh, it's a good looking car. It, I don't think so, but I love driving it. Yeah. It's a great car. It's an awesome car. I've never owned a car this long. You're, which is probably nothing for you, but the six and a half years for me that I've had mine, that's by far I'm the longest. Cheap. That's why I don't buy new cars. I know. I'm not. And I don't know. I've, I'm only holding on to it though, because I'm waiting for my truck. So right. I like that. I like that. All right. So everyone will let us know what we should talk about next time. Yeah. Probably not cyber. It'll be whatever. Next time we're supposed to have coffee. Maybe we'll do it at Starbucks next time. Maybe we'll do it here. And I don't always have fun. I yeah. appreciate you letting me come. It's always good to hang out. Me too. Will you send me a calendar invite for that class in no, in January? Yeah, I put it on here. I will get you that one and I'll put it on there. Win, winbynoon.com forward slash calendar. And I will get y'all planning your life and you'll, there'll be some tears shed if you prep for it properly. And I'm going to, I don't know if you're going to tell me to do this anyways, as signing up for the class, but between now and then I'm going to have my uh, eulogy done. I wrote that. I took that. That was a takeaway from last week on my mastermind. That's, that'll be big. I think the biggest thing is- I'm at least going to have the first draft. I think through what, just spend some time reflecting on how this year was personally or what parts of your life, if you thought about things like health, spiritual, relationship with your spouse, your kids, significant others, friends, financial, you can put work in there, but that's to me, that's the boring one because that's what the business plan is for. There's going to be financial goals and other goals and just think in those categories, how did you last year and what would you like it to look like next year Okay, or down the road? Cool. All right. I'll, I'll let everybody know how that goes afterwards. All right. Thanks, my friend. Cool. Appreciate you. See you guys next week. All right. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.